Thanks again uh, uh, for the opportunity to be here. I thought it would be just a few minutes and then uh, open it up to any questions uh, for you on something that I think is one of the most serious problems facing the United States that we are not ready to handle. Uh, you know, I started looking at cyber issues just a few years ago as a, a member on the Intelligence Committee. Uh, and we started looking at those emerging nations with the capability to do some things that were not good. Clearly, Russia comes to the top of the list. Very, very good. Very technical. Uh, technically savvy. They have great capabilities. Uh, and we're clearly using it uh, to get into the United States. Now, there, it's an interesting problem because the KGB morphed after the fall uh, into organized crime. And many argued that it was organized crime before it morphed into organized crime. So you had this very technical capability kind of drift into the private sector. And they used their cyber capabilities for criminal enterprise and are exceptionally good at it and are continuing uh, to improve and to get better on that particular part, as well as their nation state craft of cyber espionage and at least military capability. So we saw all that starting to emerge. Uh, and we saw this nation called China starting to emerge its capability in cyber espionage, which looked kind of ominous at the time, something we were going to have to pay attention to. And I've never seen anything exponentially grow more serious as I have China's capability in cyber espionage. Exponentially, year in and year out. To the fact where you, it's, it's a nation state has, I believe, made the calculation that they are going to use cyber espionage as their ability to turn intellectual property that they've stolen from the United States or others, our European allies and our Asian allies, into commercial economic predator activity to directly compete against U.S. companies or our allies. And it is so prolific, it is breathtaking. They believe just in the last few years, China has stolen more intellectual property than would be equivalent to 50 times the print collection of the United States Library of Congress. 50 times. And we can see it in companies. And there's companies that have been very reluctant to talk about it uh, because of the sheer problem that it might cause either on branding or Wall Street or fill in the blank or expose themselves to more attacks. All of the right reasons that they want to keep these kinds of things quiet. And it's gotten to the point where we must do something about it. Here's the second stage. The natural evolution of these capabilities is now starting to devolve down into non-nation-state actors or irrational nation-state actors. Now, it would be not in China's best interest to reach out and break something. By the way, and that's the new evolution of this. They can actually now, through cyber attacks, break something. It's not just denying you access to your website or your device or your account, they can actually reach out and break systems so that they will not work at all anymore. Meaning that you have to re-engage your whole system. Now think about what that would do in the disruption of a business, of uh, a government operation, which is why this has become part of military planning strategy. In the old days we used to call it prepping the battlefield. Before you send in the troops, you make sure there's as much done harm for chaos and destruction as you can uh, to increase your success and the survivability of the men that you send into battle, right? That's just the way it used to be. Well, think about now in cyber. If we have the capability to reach in and disrupt 
wholesale financial transactions in a country, or, a, or an electric grid in a country, or the production base of a country, and not just shut it down for a day or two, but be able to disrupt those systems to the point where they all have to be replaced. No rebooting here. It's pretty serious. I mean, this is as serious a problem as I have ever again seen. And we've seen the Russians do it when they invaded Georgia. We watched them prep the battlefield using cyber as that first wave of attack. So we know it's a military doctrine. We know it's a military plan. We can say, well, that wouldn't be in the Russians' interest to do it here now, certainly. It wouldn't be in the Chinese' interest to do that here now. They still want to steal your intellectual property, and they want to use it uh, to illegally compete against your products. But think about what a non-rational actor gets this capability. What about a North Korea? What about an Iran? Fill in the blank, a Venezuela. The list can get pretty long in a hurry. And think about the capability that's being developed outside of the United States and China and Russia. It's pretty serious. It's, it's significant. And that's that great unknown. That's why this is such a serious problem. What if? One of those non-rational actors decides that they're put in a corner someday, and they're going to launch this disruptive, catastrophic <clears throat> cyber attack. What does that mean to our economy? What does that mean uh, to uh, state of war in the world? It's pretty scary stuff. So we better do something about it. So we sat out last year and said, all right, let's do something very narrow. What is the first thing that we can do to try to protect networks in the United States knowing what the threat matrix is, and how serious this threat matrix is, and how aggressive our adversaries are being at stealing our stuff and getting the capability to have serious catastrophic disruption or attack capability. That's the problem we face. Well, we spent a year, we've had hundreds of meetings and phone calls and issues and discussions before the bill ever really got to the first page of print. Uh, and it was all over. We've gotten to about 13 pages. I know that's shocking for those of you who've been in this town for a long time. Matter of fact, we thought about amending. Uh, we had a 300-page amendment just to put it on there. It didn't mean anything, just to say we had a 300-page. <laughs> yeah, see, some of the staffers know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's a good idea. So we got there by very careful collaboration across the spectrum. So we. Did industry, the folks who are, who are going to be uh, part of this solution, with government, with privacy groups, and we've sat down and had, I can't tell you how many meetings, and it's still going on today, uh, to try to get this thing exactly right, to at least give us the opportunity to put ourselves in a position to help defend America's networks. But we think we got there. I always said, if I could get Palo Alto and New York City on the same bill, you got something. Right? The high-tech community of the Silicon Valley and the financial institutions of New York City, we could probably get somewhere if we could get them to agree. And we found that sweet spot, we think, in this particular bill. And we think we're, we're making huge progress with the privacy groups uh, so they understand what we're trying to accomplish, right? which isn't anything nefarious. Uh, it is really very simple to share information that the government has collected with the private sectors so that we can enlist every private security specialist in every company to be part of the solution here to watch out for bad malicious software. That's really the that's really what we're trying to do. Pretty simple stuff. 
So what we know, and, and I always tell the CEO groups I talk to that if your CIO or CTO comes in and says, hey, don't worry about it, I got it covered, we don't need any help, fire your CTO and CIO and start looking again. Because there are two companies left in America. Those that have been hacked and know it, and those who have been hacked and don't know it. It's that serious and that significant. So what the government has is they have information. Remember, the NSA, the CIA, and other intelligence services, their job is to go out and try to find out what the bad guys are up to to protect the United States. That's their mission. And you know what? They're pretty darn good at it. So they know of certain threat matrices that are out there that have not even been introduced to the systems today. Wouldn't it be great if we could share that information in a classified setting with the private sector so that they can apply that, uh, what, you know, that filter, if you will, to look for that malicious source code when it's flying by their network. So instead of just the government protecting the government networks, which they do pretty well, now we get to pull that sheet up over the whole bed and try to cover all of the networks in the United States. And this has to happen in real time. It has to be fast. This is going to happen hundreds of millions of times a second if it's going to be successful. And it has to happen that fast. Here's the good news. If you're at home on your laptop, you'll have, you, won't, you won't see any bit of a difference other than you'll have the, uh, the, the comfort of knowing uh, that somebody, maybe it's your, inter your internet service provider, uh, maybe it's from your company, depending on what your company is, has applied that malicious software filter, if you will, on their systems so it's not getting through to your laptop computer. Pretty good stuff at the end of the won't solve all our problems? Does it mean we won't be attacked? Does it mean they won't try to find a way around it? Absolutely not. They'll spend lots of time, lots of money, and lots of intellectual capital trying to figure a way around this because they've been so doggone successful. But it is really uh, that simple. And so we built some privacy things in, a couple of those. You know, this is important for all of us. You know, as uh, young FBI agents, we take that oath too, and then Fourth Amendment, and due process. And every uh, part of that Constitution is important to us as it is anybody, same with the members of Congress. So we wanted to work with those privacy groups to say, okay, how do we get this right? How do we get this so that you have a comfort level and we can apply this level of protection to all our networks across the country? Uh, one of the things that we did is we encouraged the private sector to minimize, what they call it anonymize, information it voluntarily shares with us. Uh, so in other words, your personal data can be minimized in this uh, as needed. Now, in some cases, you'll want that personal data because something might be embedded in it. That may be exactly how they come at your network. In that particular case, you can understand why it might be valuable for them to voluntarily, voluntarily, did I mention that? Did I say voluntarily? My staff says if I don't say it eight times, I'm going to leave them the three, I think. So they voluntarily share this information. So this is an absolute voluntary relationship between the government and the private sector. Uh, and we built some protections in, by the way, to keep it voluntary uh, so that there's no, uh, no, no, no pushing or el sharp elbows in the process of trying to get or share information. It uh, requires an IC inspector general audit. So what we did is we said, all right, here's one way that we can determine that they don't get out of the lanes of the road here. And, we, and if, it's, if it isn't focused on sharing, if it gets into something else, this thing will be a failure. I, I mean that. So with, uh, working with our Democrat colleagues, we came up, uh, actually Mike Thompson of, of uh, California, for the IC Inspector General Audit every single year that is presented. So now we have a tool 
and we have an independent investigative body actually ensuring uh, that what we say is happening is, is uh, happening. I think that's incredibly uh, important. You know, one of the things that, that I think got people upset was the, the focus on intellectual property. There may have been another set of bills that were very focused on that. I can't remember what those were. Um, <laughs> uh, so we wanted to make, make it very clear about what we were trying to accomplish here. So we eliminated uh, the reference of intellectual property in the, in the particular bill to ease those suspicions, if you will, about what our intents were. Uh, we gave a, the Department of Homeland Security a role. We, we gave the intelligence community the ability to protect methods and sources, how they collect things, uh, what their source of information might be. Incredibly important to protect that information, as you can imagine. Uh, so we have some sharing relationship with DHS here. Uh, with those protections in mind, we think that, that uh, satisfies both the uh, coalition that has, has grown to support this bill and is big and robust, as I had said. Uh, and uh, privacy folks to make sure that there is that, that healthy uh, relationship. And it, this isn't a militarized uh, event here, which is clearly not our intent. Uh, it significantly limits the uh, government's use of information uh, uh, provided by the private sector. And you say, well, why would the private sector want to give back? Would that make any sense? You know, remember, the, the government's job is to watch the government networks. So it is, it is targeting its collection efforts on bad stuff that they think could come at the CIA or the FBI or the government or the White House. Or in fact, they, they've been successful here uh, in the House of Representatives, unfortunately. Um, so we, why would they want to share both ways? Well, in, in some cases, a company may be, have been hit with a very sophisticated piece of malicious source code. Very, very sophisticated. And there are some incredibly sophisticated pieces of source code out there that are malicious and be very sophisticated. And so they may run into it before the government even may not, may not know it exists, because it may have been written and directed for a very specific purpose, targeted at a very specific private sector company. Uh, and they may, may just miss it. They're not perfect. They can't get it all. In those cases, it would be really valuable for them to come forward and say, hey, I don't, you, you may not know this exists. This is really ugly, nasty stuff. And they might not know it exists. And because of that, then they can take that source code, and you can imagine, take a gander at it, and then they can start trying to figure out, A, where it came from, who's doing it, how do we defend against it, all of those good things that would come out. That's why you want real-time private you know, government sharing what it knows and the private sector coming back and saying, oh, boy, we found this. You better take a look at it. Uh, and it, uh, it also allows uh, federal lawsuits against the government for any violations of those restrictions. But again, our purpose here is to make sure uh, that our purpose and intent is clear on what we're trying to accomplish. There is nothing nefarious, there's nothing sneaky, there's nothing. This is very straightforward. Uh, and this is truly a collaborative effort. It has taken over a year to get to these 13 pages. It has been as collaborative of, as any bill I've probably ever worked on in this place in my 10 years here. But again, the threat was so real. Uh, the cost to America is so astronomical that we A, better do something, and B, we better get it right. And I think this bill represents that. And I appreciate many here have supported the bill through your coalition efforts and other things. And I want to say thank you for that. And the education campaign is ongoing this week. Uh, somebody said, how do you think it's going? I said, this is like turbulent, turbulence you know, on the way down to land, right? We all know it's coming. Uh, just got to buckle up a little bit. Uh, we're going to get through through the uh, tougher parts because we're negotiating our way through, by the way. This isn't. This isn't, this is the right bill, and it's perfect in its current form. 
we're still making changes even as of today uh, to make sure that the language is, is clear for all groups to, to be able to respect what the outcome is here and understand what the threat is. Uh, and I just want to address one thing quickly. I, there was an article that talked about, well, we don't think cybercrime is as bad as, as it was, and maybe this whole cybercrime thing is overblown. I, I see someone here is from, from Visa. Uh, Lisa, I, I, uh, if you actually sit down and talk to their folks who do this for a living, uh, you're paying, we can, in the organized crime days when I used to chase gangsters, they used to call it a street tax. They'd go to these businesses and say, hey, you know, if your windows, you know, your windows will stay you know, kind of unbroken, your fingers won't get broken, and all of that if you pay a certain amount of per, per month from your business. It's called a street tax. You pay that on your credit card uh, because of theft uh, by these very organized, large, sophisticated, organized crime groups that tend to be, you know, Eastern European or and so you pay that now. You're paying that same street tax that we used to run around trying to get stop, stop gangsters from doing. And guess what? Gangsters have gotten more sophisticated. They're still applying you a street tax every single day you make a transaction. Uh, that's particularly happens. But the focus of this bill, so I, I would dispute that article with great passion, uh, but the, the focus of this bill, again, is to think about this new, new threat, this new paradigm in the way that nations steal things from each other. And imagine if a nation state is successful. What is the one thing they always tell us every political season about why America is the greatest economy in the world is because we are so innovative. Guess what? If they steal our innovation five and six and seven and eight years when that innovation turns into real jobs or real people is gone, they start to win the economic war as well. And if you look at how we really, at the end of the day, defeated the Soviet Empire, the Soviet Union, it's because we, they couldn't financially keep up with the United States of America. They couldn't do it. And it collapsed under the weight of Trump. Imagine if you reverse engineer that and decide that you're going to steal the very property, that very innovation that will employ the next generation of Americans. i tell you what, I don't want to wake up uh, in a few years from now being number two in the world. I don't know about you. Uh, I never thought that aspiring to number two or number three ever got you anything which is why we're still the largest and greatest economy in the world. And this is just one step to help the innovators, which is all of you and your company, continue to do that. So thanks for uh, putting up with me this morning. I hope you'll all be ambassadors for what we're doing here and trying to get this thing done, and I'll open up any questions. Too. Great. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. on the spot as the introducer, you have the first right of refusal for the first question. Wow. Speaker Boehner created this task force, Thornberry has led it, a lot of people here. It has been a very transparent process. Um, and I guess I wanted to get a sense of how you think things are going to play out next week and also the dynamics in the Senate. Clearly, you, you had a report. Uh, it was very well done. Uh, folks at the, at this, in this room from industry really uh, supportive of where you're going. 
It's had amazing bipartisan support and private sector support. You're moving it through regular order, having a bill come out of committee 17 to 1, and, and it's obviously other pieces of the, the, uh, the uh, cybersecurity puzzle are coming out of other committees with huge support. How do you see the dynamics uh, on the floor next week? Uh, do you see the bipartisan support staying with this and moving it through? And also, given that the Senate has had a completely different approach, both from policy perspective and also a process, how do you see the, if, if it's all as successful next week, how do you see that changing any dynamics in the Senate? Yeah, and thank you. We wouldn't be where we are today if Doug Ruppersberger hadn't been a partner in this process. Um, this is, again, a truly a collaborative effort, which is why we got the 17 and 1 coming out of the committee. It's unheard of. Um, and it's because we had that good partnership. We understood what the threat was. We pulled people together. And we have a fairly, you know, differences of opinions politically on this bill. Anna Eshu is, is rock solid. I just had to talk to her yesterday. It's still rock solid. I understands the concerns and machinations of, the, of, of folks who have these concerns, privacy concerns, which is why we've been working so hard to get through those. Um, but they're still there. So yes, I do think you're going to get a bipartisan bill, uh, a bipartisan vote next week. I feel pretty good about that. Again, we're going to it's not because we said this is it, take it or leave it. Here's the bill. We didn't. I thought that would be a big mistake. Um, so we're by we're getting people to buy in to understand a what the threat is and b what why we're doing this and see what the solution. is. So that's where I think we're going to hold this the bipartisan. Um, and so there'll be a package of bills, and I think it's not even yet determined what all will be in there. There's a, a penalty piece for increasing the penalty of. Your intellectual property theft in a, in a case where, say, China comes in and steals your intellectual property, that they'll have a course of action for that. There is uh, an R&D piece to try to encourage some research and development in the next generation of, of cyber protections, if you will, and other things. Um, and there's going to be a couple other pieces that I think are still under discussion. Uh, my understanding is I think the infrastructure piece is probably going to go away. They're going to take more time to look at it. Which I think is the right solution. I, we would, should not be in a hurry to do this. If it took us a year for 13 pages, I would not be in a hurry to try to throw something out there. You can get in trouble with these things in a hurry. Be careful. So that part I think is going to hold uh, through next week. And we're still ongoing on discussions on what actually will be on the floor. But I'm, I'm going to guess somewhere between about three to five bills total. I think most of those are out there. There's nothing, uh, nothing going to sneak up on you. It's just a matter of what, what ends up, they think, ready for the, the prime time to vote for. Uh, so we'll hold that bipartisan effort. Um, had a great meeting with Democrats yesterday. So we, I, feel, I feel pretty confident about that. Now, in the Senate, I think they're going to have trouble. Like, anytime you get those big, prescriptive, regulatory, thou shall type bills uh, in an arena like cyberspace, I think you get in trouble. So I think uh, their intentions are good. I think that they're probably going to have some difficulty getting that through. Um, we've already had discussions uh, with the Senate on, in fact, if their effort uh, fails, can we all agree on the information sharing portion of this bill? So I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, if they get theirs done, then we'll try to go to we'll arrange uh, something in conference. If not, I think you may see a parceled out information sharing piece later in the summer um, that, that uh, actually will get some traction. Um, 
and that would be a good thing. I mean, I would hate to, to have something happen this year. And I, I have bought into this notion that there will be a catastrophic cyber event in the United States. We are so vulnerable to this, so vulnerable to this. Um, I think it would be a mistake for us not to try to at least build in some protections. And I think that's what will motivate us to try to find something we can agree on with the Senate later this uh, many IT companies, uh, telecom companies, have great testing of China. What are your concerns relative to supply chain? Yeah. They, they may not have heard the question. Oh, sure. He was uh, uh, saying that there's a lot of companies that have serious investment in China, uh, and what is the vulnerability of their supply chain? Um, this is as big a problem as I have seen. And I will hate to say this, but the Chinese are being more aggressive about uh, setting conditions for doing business in China when it comes to uh, proprietary information. Um, and I know there there is a bit of a gold rush in China. It's a market that everybody has to be in. I hope we're really careful as a business community about what we provide when it comes to that intellectual property uh, and that proprietary information uh, to the Chinese. Uh, we have just seen an overwhelming case of how they will steal it uh, and put it in production. In many cases, by the way, they'll use the same plant of which is in part of the supply chain to do their counterfeiting in the same plant just that night. I mean, it is unbelievable how aggressive they are in this. So it's a huge problem. I'll tell you another story. There was a company that uh, uh, talked to me who has a presence there, and they have lots of supply chain issues who've decided they're taking every bit of their intellectual property out of the uh, country. They're, they're, going to have a, they're going to have a company, but they will do no intellectual uh, property value work in China because they've been ripped off so badly. And I tell you, the story is just when we wanted to do an open hearing a few uh, months ago, uh, and by the way, this is what worries me on the supply chain, because the supply chain is not ready. And they did a, something called a DIV project with 17 companies here in defense to see if this kind of cyber sharing thing is even possible, could possibly work in the scale. Uh, and the companies performed pretty well, and they were fairly well prepared because they knew it, right? They knew they were targets, employed very large cyber staffs to try to protect their networks. Their supply chain was so vulnerable and so weak, that's where we found all of the problems. Uh, and the folks who do this uh, on the other side of the pond know that. So they target these small suppliers. There's no way in God's green earth that they're going to stand up to a whole nation state trying to steal your stuff. I guarantee if they want to do it, they're going to get it. And so that was the problem. And so yes, it's a huge problem. We talk regularly. The FBI is being more aggressive about having those conversations with companies about this is something you need to understand. Here's the risks you're going to take. Uh, by the way, here's five indictments we've just gone through. Think about how aggressive they are. In the hotbed of international espionage, this is not a cyber film, this is a human style case. But in the hotbed of international espionage, Indianapolis, Indiana. Right? See that in the movies a lot, don't you? <laughs> you see Jason Bourne or whatever, downtown Indianapolis, climbing the building. Oh, yes, that's what's the they had a human source operation, which, by the way, is always the most dangerous, always the most expensive, and it's always the one that you're likely to get caught. So they set up an operation 
specifically to steal a formula <coughs> on a pesticide. This is an open case. It's been open adjudicated. So the whole purpose was to go in, get hired, and this was a pretty bright individual, and start stealing the formulas for this particular <coughs> pesticide. They had had to be in China. I'm sure that's shocking. Uh, they had a, a, a educational center already established so that they could send the formula back for research. So they were conducting their own independent research, and they already had the production facility ready to compete. So they were stealing the pesticide, giving themselves cover by having this institute to do pesticide research, and then turn over their pesticide research to the manufacturer to directly compete against a United States company. And this wasn't done by you know, four private investigators in China. This was a nation-state effort to steal intellectual property. And if you think about it, if you're willing to do that for a pesticide formula, what are they willing to do to your supply chain to get your intellectual property competing this in the future? That's my argument. I, I, that, that's why this is so concerning. And you know, this big rush to get into China, I hope people are starting to have security-conscious uh, discussions in China. It's that serious. I don't ever get invited back to that depressed people. One guy, we can't take that guy anymore. <laughs> yes, sir. Chairman, uh, a lot of the uh, concern that many of us have here is about the sanctions oriented system that this administration has imposed on business. Uh, have you gotten cooperation? Have you had conversations downtown with various agencies that have uh, interest in this commerce, homeland uh, security? We've we met with them all. We've met with DOJ and DHS. Uh, we met with uh, folks on the National Security Council. You know, I think from from the agency's point of view, I would argue that from the working person in the agency that lives, from the political shop at, at, at 1600, they're just not there. They have their own version of what they want. Unfortunately, it's prescriptive. Um, it's regulatory. Um, and I, I just think we're going to have a genuine disagreement. We're still working with them, actually. We've got meetings this week to try to work out, you know, so, you know, soften some of the edges if we can. Uh, but at the end of the day, our argument, my argument, is listen, if, if we want a voluntary system to work, it has to be just that. If I start setting all these standards on you that you're going to have to comply with, which means you're going to have to have an army of lawyers and cyber experts who don't do anything on cyber but try to figure out if you're meeting the standard. Complete waste of time, effort, and money, and we will accomplish nothing. Nothing. And so that's where we're kind of hung up, if we can get that, kind of somehow work through that. Uh, but I you know, will hold firm on the fact that it has to be voluntary, and then we have to give some incentive for companies to show up and do this. It's the Good Samaritan rule. You, you want a doctor when you're laying on the sidewalk. Clutching your chest, I want a doctor walking by to help me out. And I promise I won't sue even if you don't get it exactly right. That's exactly what we're talking about here. This is a good scenario. So we try to build some protection for those companies saying, hey, we've got this motion source. So that's where we're at. We're working through it. We, uh, you know, they're, they, they are, they have publicly said that they're for the Senate bill and delivered in the House bill. And I can tell you that bill's in a lot of trouble. It's just tough. Not going to get the support. And again, why? Because it's a lot of prescription in there. It's a lot of regulatory in there. People will not 
participate in a system that looks like that. For the reason you just said, all of those sanctions and rules, and the more complicated we make this, Last question right here. If you have a Republican conference in five minutes, awesome. Downstairs, everyone, that's just cue that there's going to be 200 members downstairs. <laughs> so basically, what he just said is run like hell. <laughs> uh, just, first of all, I want to say thank you for all your leadership. And your staff has been just amazing to work with. Um, taking the call at 11 o'clock on Sundays, you know, PM is, is pretty impressive. Um, and uh, I know there's negotiations with privacy groups uh, ongoing and about how to keep going without going too much detail because they're so ongoing. How do you perceive the picture going? How are they going? What does it look like in terms of what their actions might be? Yeah. Maybe maybe not. And I'm glad you brought that up. Diane Ronaldo has done all the lead on this, but my personal office has been exceptional. It's it. She's here. She's, we're having a review next week. That's not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Tom Corcoran from the intelligence staff is here. They've really been champions on this thing and have been not only patient but persistent on trying to get through this. So they've off today. Um, you know, I think it's going well. I, you know what? We've taken language. We've improved the bill. You know, they, issued, they talked about concerns about some independent oversight body, and that's how we got the uh, audit <coughs> IG. Um, they wanted uh, some minimization language in there. We found some minimization language that we think still works, uh, allows companies to make that decision, not the government. Perfect. That's a good thing. So, you know, we're, we're, we're finding issues that we can agree with and finding language they can try to alleviate those concerns. Um, you know, are we going to agree on everything? Probably not. I, I think they, you know, they don't want anything, anytime, ever. And I am not for regulating the, the internet at all. I just think that's a bad idea. This is not that. And so the trick here has been, you know, get them to understand what we're trying to accomplish, uh, and then have them try to help us find language that at least allows them to sleep at night. Because right? I can't sleep at night. By the way, if I can't sleep at night, none of you should be able to sleep. <laughs> now you know why you shouldn't be sleeping at night uh, on all of this stuff. So I think that's what—that's the process that we're going through. I do pretty good. We've had some good meetings. We've had some good progress. I, I don't think at the end of the day they're going to be jumping up and down saying, "Yay, yeah, we can't hardly wait for this." Um, it's just not, it's not who they are. Um, but I think we've made progress, and I think that's about the best we can ask for. Um, and we continue to work with them. As I said, this is a, I want this to be a collaborative effort because uh, it is so serious. And you know, this is not something we ought to be, at the end of the day, we probably shouldn't be fighting over this, really. We ought to be fighting over There's a lot of other things we can fight over. I'm not sure this ought to be one of them. So that's the attitude we've taken. And I think it's yielded some very, very thorough work here. And why it's still bipartisan. We're still holding talk and why we're still having those meetings. Going. Well, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Go ahead and